Good evening and happy Monday evening. For me, it was, a, it was a long day, but it's nice to be able to be here with you this afternoon. And I'm excited to share with you a message that is very connected to the message that we just heard about. Now, to start off, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever believed something that you later find out is completely false? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I, I met a guy once. His name is Jonathan. And Jonathan is a great young man. And he was telling me when I was young, this is him speaking. When I was young, my dad liked to pull pranks on me. And I said, okay, what, what kind of pranks? And he's like, he liked to tell me things that weren't true to see how long I would believe them. And I was like, okay, I mean, so like what kind of things would he tell you? And he said, well, when I was in the seventh grade, up until the seventh grade even, I believed that if I sneezed and if I did not put my face upward, my eyes would fall out. <laughs> and so I was in seventh grade and I was sitting there and I would sneeze and I would quickly put my head up and all the kids would kind of look at me funny, but no one would say anything. And so as I was going, I was, I was in the lunchroom one day and I sneezed so hard and I quickly put my face up as high as I could because I thought they would fall out. And finally, one of my friends said, what are you doing? And he said, well, I don't want my eyes to fall out. And my friend started laughing. All the kids started laughing. And in that moment, I realized that something I had believed my whole life wasn't actually true. Many things have happened to me recently that I've started to understand some things that maybe my parents didn't teach me right. Maybe I took sayings too literally. Um, Things like I believed when I was young that if I drank all the milk in the world, I would never get a broken bone. I thought that if I drank milk, my bones would be so strong. But interestingly enough, researchers have recently found that actually drinking milk is, is related to having fractures in your bones later in life. And something that I believed more foundationally than anything else was the five-second rule. Oh, I believed it. I believed that if I dropped food onto the floor, as long as it was within five seconds, no germs could react that quickly. They weren't that fast. And I remember it was my freshman year in college. Can you believe that? My freshman year in college. I was in the cafeteria. I had my tray. I had a sandwich on it. And I stumbled a little bit and I dropped the sandwich. And if you know about college students, we love food and we don't have much money. So that's a big deal. And everyone turned and they gasped. He dropped his sandwich. And quickly I was like, oh, it's no big deal. One, two, three. Oh, we're good. I got it on three. And everyone was a little bit looking at me like I was a little bit crazy. And I said, no, it's fine. Like, I can still eat it. The germs didn't get there. And then my friend pulled out his phone and he Googled, is the five-second rule real? And he showed me that the instant that anything connects or is, has in contact with another item or surface, the bacteria and the germs immediately go on to that object. And I, I was just confused because my whole life, everyone had always said the five-second rule. My parents said the five-second rule. You see, when people tell us things enough, we start to just believe it as if it's facts. And when it's things like the five-second rule, when it's things like your eyes might fall out if you don't put your eyes up, it's kind of funny. It's not a big deal. The problem is if we as Christians believe things about the Bible that are not true. Is it possible that we live in a world where Christians believe things just because people have said it enough? What's sad is that we know that there is one person in this world who is out to deceive us. It's not just for fun, but he wants to deceive us in such a way that we may not receive salvation. Revelation 12.9 says, So the great dragon was cast out, the serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. 
Very clearly here, we see that the devil's goal on this earth is to deceive the whole world. Satan doesn't want to just deceive a small portion. Satan wants to deceive every single person in this world. With that in mind, we must be careful what we believe and what we do not believe. We see even from the very beginning, the devil showed his character. In the garden, he went to Eve and he said, don't worry about it. Just just eat it. It's really not that bad. He said, you'll die. You really won't. From the very beginning, the devil has been a deceiver. And can I tell you something today? The devil is still a deceiver today. He didn't stop in the garden. That's where he just got started. And the devil, even today, is trying to not only deceive people who don't believe in God, but more importantly, he is trying to deceive those who earnestly want to follow and know God. On the contrary, in John 8, 31 and 32, we see that the Bible says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You see, we have two sides of the coin, two two contrasting people. Satan says, I just want to deceive you. I want to lock you up in the chains of my deception so you can't get away. And we have Jesus on the other side saying, I just want you to know the truth so that the truth will set you free. It's interesting because as we found today, the fourth commandment is especially special to God. God wants us to be able to have rest. He wants us to be able to have the Sabbath so that we can be in his truth, so that we can connect with him and with others in his rest. Was it clear from our presentation earlier that the seventh day is the Sabbath? Raise your hand if that was clear. Amen. The seventh day truly is the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for a few different things. The first was the Sabbath was made for rest. We rest, as as we were told earlier, so that we can recoup. Our bodies are actually built so that we are on a seventh-day cycle, just as as our, our past presenter was saying. So the seventh day is literally for physical rest. God wants us to take a break from the things that we were doing so that we can recoup for the future. He also gave it as a time to connect with other people. For me, at least, I know that throughout my week, I go through day by day doing work, doing school, doing all these different things, and sometimes it's nice to be able to talk to someone just to talk to someone. I'm not asking them, what was the assignment? I'm not asking them, what am I supposed to be doing at work? I'm not asking them, how do we pass this test? Because no one even knows that question. But it's nice to be able to take a break and actually connect with people when we have time, when we can connect with them on on a deeper level than just what's going on. We can connect in a real way. This is another reason that God gave us the Sabbath. He also gave it as a time to connect with God. You see, it's it's not about just taking our focus off of normal life and putting it nowhere. The Sabbath is about taking our focus off of normal life and focusing now on God. God wants to not only be our creator, but he wants to be our friend. He wants to be a, a, an active role in our life where we're not just afraid, we're not just, we're not just in awe, but he wants to actually have a connection with me and he wants to have a connection with you. The last thing that the Sabbath was and the Sabbath is, is a memorial. You see, a memorial is, is something that we look to and we are reminded of something in the past. I I lived in Hawaii for a year as a youth pastor, and one of the things we always did is we went to the Arizona Memorial. Anyone who came to visit, they wanted to see the Arizona Memorial because, one, it's beautiful, but also it commemorates something solemn in our history. 
When you go to the Arizona Memorial, you are reminded of what happened at Pearl Harbor on that day so long ago. You, you are reminded of the people who valiantly gave their lives to save others and to save our country. You see, a memorial is, is special because it points us back to something so we can remember it. And in the same way, God gave us the Sabbath so that we can look back every single week and say, God is our strong and able creator. And it gives us strength for the future because guess what? If God created this whole world, what can he do with me? If we look back and we see what God has been doing, we can also have strength and hope for the future. God has given the Sabbath as a weekly memorial so that we can remember him. And you know, if the devil's whole plan is to deceive us and make us think that God is bad, God is no good, wouldn't it be smart of him to attack this memorial? If God says, every week I need you to remember who I am and Satan wants you to never remember who God is, wouldn't it be smart for Satan to start at the Sabbath? If he can just skew the Sabbath, then maybe he can get us to forget who our creator really is. Exodus 28 through 11, I know that we just went over this, but we're going to go through it very quickly. 28 through 11, it says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall, work, you shall do no work, you nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the seventh day and hallowed it. God set aside this special time period so that we could get to know him and so that we could have a memorial of who he is. And you see, I'm not trying to call into question anybody who, who worships on the Sunday. I don't believe that people who worship on Sunday are bad. I don't believe that people who worship on Sunday are trying to do something wrong. I believe that they are deceived. And in that, I don't want to accuse anyone. I don't want to condemn anyone, but I want to bring to light the truth. I have no interest in saying anything negative about anyone other than please, let's share the truth. I want to accept the truth in my life. There's no doubt that God gave us the Sabbath. In Scripture, it was, just, it, was, it was made so clear earlier tonight that the seventh day is the Sabbath, and the Sabbath is given to us. But the problem is, and the question that we have, is then why is it so forgotten? Because the fact is, we are given the Sabbath. But another fact is, many people don't follow the Sabbath. So why is it that we have this disconnect? Why is it that we aren't following this truth? Many people believe that in the New Testament, the sa that Sabbath was done away with, and they have about eight texts that they go off of, eight of them. There's eight texts actually in the New Testament where the first day or Sunday is mentioned. And tonight we don't have time to go through all eight, so you don't have to worry about an eight-point thing coming up. We're actually just going to go through two tonight. There are many more, and if you have questions over them, feel free to ask any of us who are, who, are, who are working here with South Bay because we would love to talk to you about them. But tonight we're going to go over two especially. John 20, verse 19. It said, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembling for the fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. Some people say that because they were gathered, that means they were celebrating the Sabbath. Some people say just the mere fact that they were in a room together meant that they were celebrating the Sabbath and that they were actually commemorating the resurrection. But I have two things to say to this. One, 
Just because we are gathered together does not mean we are celebrating the Sabbath. Just because we are together talking about Scripture doesn't mean that we are celebrating the Sabbath. And a great point that I have to this is right now. Just because we are together in a room and we're, we're, we're speaking about Scripture and we're diving into the Word does not mean that it's the Sabbath. The second point is many people say that they were celebrating the resurrection and that's what the new Sabbath is. But what's interesting is if they did not know that Jesus was actually resurrected, how were they celebrating the resurrection? How can they celebrate an event and a person if they don't even know if it's true yet? Because we see that right here, Jesus comes into the room and he stands amidst them and he says, peace be with you. This is their first interaction with the resurrected Jesus. So if they don't know that he's resurrected, how can they be celebrating his resurrection? There's no way. 1 Corinthians 16, 1 to 2. This is another one that many people have a problem with. 1 Corinthians 16, 1 says, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, so you must do also. What's interesting is that many people believe that because they're taking up an amount of money, that means that they would have to be worshiping in a service. But the problem with this is when he, Paul is speaking, he's speaking in a time where Jerusalem was having a great famine. Jerusalem was having a great famine and many people did not have what they needed. They didn't have money. They didn't have food. They didn't have anything they needed. And so Paul went first to Galatia, right? He says right here that he went to Galatia. He asked them, hey, can you take up some money? We need, we need money for the saints. And then he's now coming to the church in Corinth and he's saying, you too, we need money for the saints. And in verse 2 it says, on the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. What's interesting is Paul is not telling these people to take up a tithe or an offering in a church setting for the people in Jerusalem. What he's trying to say is you need to start setting aside money on the first day at the beginning of your week. Don't let all of your money get spent throughout the week so you have nothing left. But at the beginning of your week, when you're just starting out the week, before you've paid your bills, please put a little bit aside for your brethren in Jerusalem who are struggling to even have food. Many people believe that this is the Sabbath, but actually, very interestingly, if you look at the original language, and even if you look at a few different translations, it actually says that please put some money aside at home. At home. This was not talking about a church setting. He wasn't saying, when you go to church on the first day, collect money. But what he's saying is, please help out the people in Jerusalem. And if this isn't clear, we went over this text earlier, but Acts 18, 1 to 4, or maybe we didn't, but we went over a similar text. It says that after these, after these things, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth, and he reasoned with the, in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. How could it make sense that Paul says, hey, the first day is the Sabbath, or the first day is the day you need to go to church, but I'm going to continue to keep Sabbath? That would make no sense. But what Paul is doing is he's being consistent. He's saying, you worship on Sabbath, and I will worship on Sabbath, as it is my custom. Many people also bring up the point that why isn't it more clear in the New Testament that the Sabbath is the seventh day? It's because in those days there was no question. They didn't go around questioning us because no one had changed it. No one had said, hey, we're switching over, so no one had the question in their mind. So why address a problem that no one had? When it comes to, when it comes to the seventh-day Sabbath, we see in the Bible that there's actually no mention of change. People try to say that here and there they see the, the, the worshipers of God meeting on Sunday, the first day, 
But in fact, in the Bible, there is no reference, no evidence of God changing the Sabbath. Malachi 3, 6, it says, For I am the Lord. I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. But we want to, what we want to hone in on is, For I am the Lord. I do not change. If the Sabbath is the day where we're supposed to worship the Lord and the Lord does not change, why would we ever believe that the Lord is going to change the day of worship? If God is, is a constant God, why would he just arbitrarily change one day to another? The Bible is very clear that the seventh day is the Sabbath from the beginning to the end. Revelation 14, 7, it says, Saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him. The hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who has made the heaven and the earth, the sea and the springs of water. On the seventh day, on the Sabbath, we are worshiping God, correct? Now, if we're worshiping God, should we not worship him in the way that he has asked us to? Why should we follow what people of this world, what our neighbors, what our families say about how we should worship God if God has clearly said, please worship me this way? If I'm worshiping my brother, if I'm worshiping my parents, then let them decide how I'll do it. But I'm not. My worship is directed to the Father, and in that, I'm going to let the Father decide how I will worship him. Luke 4, 16, it says, So he came to Nazareth, speaking of Jesus, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the, seventh, on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. Jesus himself kept the Sabbath. Paul kept the Sabbath. Jesus kept the Sabbath. The disciples, they kept the Sabbath. So we see clearly in the Bible, if you want to follow the biblical narrative, if you want to follow the biblical greats, then you will keep the Sabbath on the seventh day. But the confusing part is that so many people believe that we are supposed to be worshiping on Sunday. Acts 5.29, Peter said, it says, But Peter and the other apostles answered, and he said, speaking to the Sanhedrin, We ought to obey God rather than men. This is, this is what is at the heart of the decision to either worship on the seventh day or on the first day. We are deciding not between even really a day. We are deciding between a day, but that is actually just what comes as a result. What we are really deciding is, will we follow what God has told me to do? Or will I follow what man is telling me to do? Because very clearly from the Bible, God is telling us, worship me on the seventh day on the Sabbath. Yet the world is telling us to do something different. But Paul is a man of God and I want to stand with him and I want to say, I'm going to obey God rather than man. Many people believe that the Sabbath isn't really important, but even if you look at Exodus 16, if you look at the Israelites who are in the desert for 40 years, God gives manna to them every single week and he says, the one day that is mine, I'm not going to send you manna. Please prepare in such a way that you can keep that day with me. If it wasn't really that important, wouldn't he just rain manna down anytime? It's not like he was trying to be frugal with his manna. He has enough to go around. But what he was doing is he tried to set it up in such a way that we can have a day of rest. This day is more important than we think because it's not just a day, but it's are we willing to follow what God has asked us to do. So where did it start? Where did Sunday worship start? Back in, back in uh, the the fourth century, there was the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire was, was over almost the known world. 
And there was a, an emperor named Constantine. And Constantine, honestly, other than all of the awful things he did, he was a very intelligent man. And he realized that if he wanted Rome to be able to be successful, he needed his empire to be united. But the problem was, is he had a lot of Christians and he had a lot of pagans. And he was trying to figure this out. How can I get these people to be united? They're so different. How can I get them to be united? Because the only way for us to be strong is if we are united. And so what he did is he decided to combine the days of worship. Constantine in, in 321 said, On the venerable day of the sun, let the magistrates and people residing in cities rest, and let shops be closed. The sun was a formidable god with, with heathendom. There is, in truth, something royal kingly about the sun, making it fit to be the emblem of Jesus, the son of justice. What he did is he said, okay, the pagans really worship the sun. They love the sun and they have their day for it. And the, the, the Christians, they all worship on the Sabbath. If I combine those two things, if I just make them feel like they're worshiping the same thing, if I just get them in this mindset, we can connect them through religion. So what Constantine did is he introduced not only this day, but he introduced practices. He introduced idol worship. He introduced all type of, types of different things to try and make the Christians and the pagans feel just a little bit more connected. In the Catholic world, page 809, uh, 1944, 1994, I'm sorry, it says, Hence the church in these countries would seem to have said, Keep that old pagan name. It shall remain consecrated, sanctified. And thus the pagan Sunday dedicated to Balder became the Christian Sunday sacred, Sunday sacred to Jesus. You see, he, he, he was successful. The problem was not that, that, he, that he was trying to get them together. The problem was he used the wrong methods. We want to be with, with people who are not Christians. We want to get them to, to, to come over to be Christians as well. But the problem was he used bad methods. He tried to get the Christians to conform and the pagans to conform so that you couldn't really tell who they were. And he was more successful than he could have ever thought. The Council of Laodicea says, Christians shall not Judaize and be idle on Saturday, but the Lord's day they shall especially honor. And as being Christians shall, if possible, do no work on the day. If, however, they are found Judaizing, they shall be shut out from Christ. What started out as, as, as Constantine kind of suggesting and saying we should be united actually leaked into the church where the church literally said, if you are found worshiping on Sabbath, that's what they mean by Judaizing. If you're found worshiping on sun, Saturday instead of Sunday, then guess what? We are going to excommunicate you. And in those days, if you were excommunicated, it meant that there was no forgiveness for your sins. They believed that if I'm excommunicated, if the priest can't forgive my sins, then I am just out. I'm out. So they were pressed with the option, either one, change your day of worship, or two, fall away and never be able to be forgiven. The question is, which is the Sabbath day? Sabbath day is Saturday. In the Converse Catechism, page 50, the question is asked, why do we observe Sunday instead of Saturday? And the answer is, because the Catholic Church transferred the solemnity from Saturday to Sunday. Even the people who believe in Sunday worship, they admit that it's not because of the Bible. It's because the Catholic Church and Constantine worked together and they changed the day. The problem is they have no authority to do that. If God is saying, worship me on this day, and man is saying, no, no, let's worship him on this day, we should worship and follow what God has called us to follow. 
The Catholic Encyclopedia, Volume 4, page 153 says, The church, after changing the day of rest from the Jewish Sabbath of the seventh day to the first day of the week, made the third commandment refer to Sunday as the day to be kept as the holy day of the Lord's day. What's interesting is that they, the, the, the Catholic Church literally changed the Ten Commandments. The problem is they, they had a problem, right? Because the Ten Commandments says very clearly that the seventh day is the Sabbath, and that's the day you need to keep. And so they thought, how do we really... T-? You know what we can do? Let's just change it. Let's change it. So if you, if you look in the Catholic Bible, then you will literally see a different set of Ten Commandments. You will see a completely different set because they had two problems. One, the seventh day. And two, they had problems because, you know, they really wanted to have idolatry because that would bring the pagans in and they could make some money off of it. And so they needed to get rid of that one as well. And so what they did is they literally changed the Ten Commandments. But let me ask you this. Does man have the authority to change what God has said? No. No, he does not. Carl Keating He wrote, fundamentalists meet for worship on Sunday, yet there is no evidence in the Bible that corporate worship was to be made on Sundays. The Jewish Sabbath, or day of rest, was, of course, Saturday. Cardinal James Gibbons, he says, you may read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, and you will not find a single line authorizing the sanctification of Sunday. The scriptures enforce the religious observance of Saturday. You see, no, they're, they're not even trying to hide it anymore. They've changed it. People have changed it. No one even tries to put it on God anymore that God tried to change it because they're just bold and they say, I have the authority as a man to change what God has said. The problem with Sunday worship is not that it's biblical. It's the problem is it's a, con- a construct of what man has decided to do. The problem is not one day versus the other. The problem is, will you follow what God has said? Or will you follow what man has said? The option is very clear. God has told us, please worship me on Saturday. And man has said, no, let's worship him on Sunday. The option is between following what God has asked you to do or following what man around you does. Those are the two options that we have laid before us. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Jesus can't be more clear. He's asked us, He's implored us, if you love me, just do as I've asked you. And let me tell you something. Today, I want to follow Joshua's example when he said, but as as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. In my life, I have decided and I have continued to decide that for Sabbath, for what God has asked me, I am going to choose what he has said in the Bible clearly versus what man does all around me. I grew up with with Sunday worshipers all around me and they always made fun of me. They always questioned why I, I served God on the Sabbath. And the, the thing is, things might get a little bit weird with some of your coworkers. Things might get a little bit weird with some of your family members because it's so foundationalized in people's minds that Sunday is the Sabbath. But clearly the Bible has told us that if you want to worship God in the way that he has asked, we must worship God on the seventh day, which is the Sabbath. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to choose following God rather than man around me. If you want to make that decision with me, as we pray, I ask that you will just in your mind tell Jesus, I want to follow you rather than man. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the Sabbath. God, it's been such a pillar in my life, not only in believing in you, but also in just the success and and, and the fulfillment of my life. And God, I, I thank you that you've led us to the truth that the Bible says that the seventh day is the Sabbath. 
God, I ask that you will continue to give me strength and courage in my life to stand up for you rather than following man. And Father, for all of the people here, I ask that you will renew their commitment if they've already made it. And if they are making it for the first time to follow you in their worship of you, then God, give them the strength and the courage to do that with their entire being. Lord, we love you so much, and we thank you again for bringing us here tonight and giving us the Sabbath. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.